0: had the typical conversation of what to talk about to myself, Mm -hmm. to a microphone, to a few people again, and I decided to just press record and see what falls out of my skull. So, what's been on my mind lately is beauty, and uh, spirited away, (laughs) and crippling Mm -hmm. stillness, staleness, stuckness, the idea that I don't... uh, it's a a conflicting feeling of wanting to say the right thing and talk about the right thing. And also not knowing if that's a necessary feeling to have. Here we go. So beauty been reading a lot of Kant lately, Emmanuel Kant and his ideas on beauty are vast and beyond my understanding at this point in time. But here's what I took from what he was saying about beauty. Um, could be wrong, but but what I understood of beauty from reading some of his uh, critique on judgment, something of the like, a very large, difficult book, um, is that beautiful things, or things in general, don't have inherent beautiful qualities, so if I'm referencing a painting, and I ask you to tell me why it's beautiful, and you point to the colors, or uh, the specific people in it, if there are if there are beautiful people in it or uh, if there's reflections and if you find the reflection to be particularly moving none of those things themselves are beautiful which is what i've learned um because when you look at those things they cannot be beautiful to others which means there's no inherent beauty in things that we find beautiful though they may universally seem so and i've i've understood a very important lesson from this, and I I put it in this way, that beauty itself is the act of understanding why something is beautiful. And that made me stop and uh, think, is this one of those moments where I say something and it's complete horseshit, or will that stick with me? And I think it's going to stick with me for sure. Um, What Khan is asking is that we all accept or at least understand the process of trying to understand why something is beautiful. So in that way, I call beauty that feeling. I call it the moment when you, say you, you walk up a mountain, and you see this incredible sunset or, or landscape or something of the like, and you feel to call it beauty. Beauty is that moment. That moment, that feeling. Beauty can be a feeling, even, in that way, that that that's the base level for beauty is the feeling that we get to call something beautiful. Things themselves aren't beautiful um, because we're calling them it. They don't have that themselves. So I've been thinking on that a lot lately. And it's allowed me to not judge others for finding things beautiful that I don't. Or not necessarily beautiful because that can be can be a heavy word. But say someone likes a song that I don't understand. Or it doesn't make me feel anything. It's, it's a failing of our capacities to, to, to not say, I at least understand why you think that's beautiful. Because that's a very simple thing to do. Say you see a sunset and you find it beautiful. How can someone else not? <laughs> maybe the colors don't do anything for you. Or maybe the idea of change and time and light and the great power of all that doesn't do anything for you. Even so, you have to understand how it can for someone else. Now, what I've done with this is looked at others, looked at media, looked at anything and tried to find beauty in it. Because when I think about it in this way, beauty becomes everything at once. Because if beauty is just our perception of something to make us feel the need to call it beautiful, then that kind of opens the doors. Um... And everything's beautiful at that point. And that doesn't make it any less special. Uh, it, it makes me think that that's why we're here. Because at the, at the end of all of these thoughts is that that weird thing that's that makes me say, well, why am I talking right now? Why am I trying to expand my thoughts? Why am I attempting to grow? And it's because of beauty and uh, pursuing pursuing beautiful things. And and I don't know how to stand when it comes to asking then what art is, because art can have the same argument, is as, uh, as, as beauty, is that it's simply, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, is quite quite the true, true sentiment. And I've just been trying to hold that closely to me. Okay, I've gone I've gone on for some time. I don't know if I need to talk about Spirited Away now. Uh, I will say that. I saw it for the first time in theaters this past week, and it's really, it, I've become so much more comfortable with finding things that make me unable to put words to them, completely. And I know I am now, but, but it just feels like I'm not doing it justice. And that's a good th- thing to me because, I don't know, i have I've, I've kind of started to accept this other piece, dimension of reality, I guess, where... There are certain feelings and ideas that we can't properly express, even with our humongous uh, repertoire of vocabulary. Um, and that's good. And when I saw Spirited Away, I just felt—I felt joy. The colors were... See, I can't. <laughs> they were so large and smooth, and it looked like I was there. And I, I can't, I can't comprehend for many reasons how that came to be, not only the ideas of it, but the animation process and it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. And if you haven't watched Spirited Away, I recommend, so it's, uh, the only animated film to win an Academy Award for a reason. Actually, I don't know why I said that. I don't put any stock in Academy Awards, but it's a, it's considered a cult classic in the anime genre for a reason. So yeah, I'm a weeaboo now, um, going to Japan later this year, and I can't wait. With that, I think I'll introduce my guest, Matt Green. Matt Green is, in uh, in relation to my themes, one of the most beautiful people I've spoken with. And Matt was recently in a documentary called The World Before Your Feet, and it's about his journey of walking every street of New York City. And it's... um. It's one of those things that you should definitely just watch. It will make you feel a lot of things. It, it puts a lot of ideas in perspective. And I won't I won't get too much into it because we really get into the subject in our chat, which I'm so thankful for. So, so thankful for. And it's really just made me think about how I'm spending my time and what I find important. And it always tends to be the people that you spend your time with, and the things you do that make you feel full. And beauty and wonderful ideas and creativity like spirited away. (laughs) I hope you enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. I appreciate anyone who listens and I hope you're doing really well and I hope you're surrounded by love and that you find beauty in places that you may not have expected to before. Here's my conversation with Matt Green. So I just finished the documentary. Oh, nice! And wow! <laughs> I, <laughs> wow, you liked it, or wow,
1: it was even more boring than you imagined.
0: It was just, <laughs> it was just fantastic. I'm, Thanks, man. I'm kind of speechless. I'm, I'm, I'm very <laughs> inspired, and I found so many parallels in, like, things I've been doing and thinking about, and in what you do. Uh huh. Um. I guess I don't want to get too ahead of myself. How yeah, how was, was your day? I was good. Um, I'm just, I'm in Philadelphia, and um, okay.
1: I was here last, just last night, tonight doing um, Q and As after the movie.
0: How's that been? Um, uh, it's fun
1: in general. Um, you know, we, we get bigger crowds in New York, um, so we actually we had one in D.C. two nights ago, which mm-hmm. was good. Uh, then the one the one last night in Philly was kind of a small crowd. Um, yeah. So we'll see how the night goes. But, um, yeah, I'm just sitting kind of next door to the theater. There's, like, a kind of a food hall building. It's, like, starting to empty, empty out. Mm-hmm. So I was just wanted to make sure it wasn't too
0: loud here. Yeah, it's nice. How has is, how is this affected the whole thing, like, taking time to do Q&As and stuff? Is it, like, uh, is it
1: strange? Not too much. I mean, obviously, I just had to set aside some time to do it. Right, and, um, right. But, you know, over the years, I've been um, devoting more and more time to, like, research and writing. Right. So that takes up most of my days these days anyway. Right. Um, so, like, if, if this had happened, you know, six months into the walk, it would have been really weird because I would have been <laughs> used to walking, like, every single day. Right. Um, but now my schedule's a little weirder, so, you know, it's not a big deal to just do something else for a little while.
0: Right. That's so that's so strange. But then you just get right back to it? Like it, it it's, yeah, yeah. It's strange that you treat it as just, um, like, a thing... Like something like oh, gotta work that into like walking. I gotta work that yeah, into I mean, the schedule. It's all
1: related, you know. I mean, I'm still, you know, still got a, a couple of days of walking in during this whole craziness. Um, but yeah, it, to me, it all feels like it's all part of the same thing, really.
0: Where are you? How far are you coming along now, or do you have no idea?
1: Um. Well, I'm. Um, I've walked almost 9,100 miles now.
0: God, and, man. Um, there's
1: still a few hundred left out there somewhere. <laughs>
0: That is insane,
1: so yeah, wow, some, just some random days scattered about here and there kind of all over the city
0: i'm I'm curious, like I'm very interested in the whole aspect of it just being for yourself and just being like now, so yeah yeah has has like the documentary and people's response to it like changed how you feel about the walk itself um you know the so.
1: Um uh Jeremy who, you know, shot it and edited and basically did everything himself. Mm -hmm. Um, he was he'd been a friend of mine for a long time. And about a couple years after I started the walk, he asked me if he could like, you know, come walk with me sometimes and bring his camera along. Right. So, you know, it started really simply and um he just kinda kept coming out and, you know, ended up filming for more than three years. And you know he shot like six hundred hours of footage, and um, you know he was he was editing it as he went, right? Rather than what you do with most movies, you know you just shoot all your footage and then figure out what to do with it. So he was he was kind of creating the movie as he was shooting it, and he would send me scenes when he had rough versions of them. And so I don't think that you know the movie being out probably has less of an effect mm-hmm. on how I perceive the walk than like this kind of slower process over the years of just seeing what it is that he sees and what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, just slowly over time being like, Oh, that's kind of, Oh, that's an interesting point. You know, cause for me, like you can see my blog is just very thing based. It's mm-hmm. like, here's a thing and here's what I learned about it, but it really has nothing to do with the experience of walking. Yeah. Uh, which is what the movie picks up on. Right. So, it's really covering a completely different thing than anything I'd ever been involved in before, in terms of like what I was trying to convey to people.
0: Do you like that? That so, it's taken on this like new life? Yeah, it's cool.
1: I mean, I was, you know, I I was certainly aware that, um, you know, all this stuff was happening to me in terms of just what it's like to be out there walking. Like, you know, the people that I meet, those kind of things that were just completely invisible to anyone else because they weren't born in the blog. Um, so, you know, I was interested to, to see what that would look like through somebody's eyes and not just somebody, but, you know, a good friend of mine whose work I was familiar with, who, you know, I knew was kind of seeing things in the same way as me. Yeah. So like, given that I have no ability to make a movie, um, (laughs) it was nice to have a friend who I could trust and who had the same kind of mindset. Um, so in a, in a way it was kind of like a little bit of an extension of me. Right. Even though you know he certainly, I get that he certainly saw things differently than I would overall. But like it generally, in the same kind of um, same kind of ideas and themes came out of the movie. Um, which it's interesting because a lot of the stuff that I think just through the Q and A's and stuff, you know, we're hearing what what kind of messages people are taking away from it and what they're picking up on. And um, a lot of that stuff's not really addressed directly in the movie. You know, mm-hmm. Jeremy and I never sat down and said like, "Let's make this about this." Um, so I was pretty impressed that he was able to capture all this stuff that's really important to me, but that we didn't even talk about, and yet somehow it comes through in the movie.
0: That's so strange. What are people yeah. saying at the Q&As? Uh,
1: I mean, just, you know, I mean, it, it, you know you, it, it really touches, the movie touches on a lot of stuff, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, you could say it's about New York City. You could say it's about the act of walking, the act of paying attention. You know, right. you could say it's about me. Like, all of these things are little parts of it um but you know it touches on so many different things and it's cool because it, it it relates to a lot of different people in a lot of ways it seems certain people you know say have had some experience in their life that resonates with some part of the movie and so to them the movie kind of becomes about that you know whether it's the idea of like appreciating your surroundings that you normally overlook or mm-hmm. You know, being glad for the life that you have, you know, after some reminder that it could be taken away quickly. Um, You know, it's all just all different kinds of themes that are that Jeremy wove into the movie, um, which, you know, are all parts of the walks, but they're never anything I think explicitly about because I don't really think about what the walk is. I just do it. Uh, So it's been cool to see him kind of tease all that stuff out of it.
0: Huh. I feel that there's this constant thing with people and it's very evident in the documentary that like there always has to be like a thing with something like why are you uh, doing the walk why right, are you right. taking the pictures are you going to make a book out of it like right. there's always something that has to be attached to doing something and right. I think it's I don't know I I mean it's it kind of puts it into perspective like watching the documentary is kind of like just watching a blank slate like you have you have no option but to on it like your personal mm-hmm. feelings and stuff there's no like story there's no right there's no one to root for i guess you know what i mean yeah, that,
1: no that's an interesting point um yeah i mean I, I heard someone else use that phrase blank slate too but not really fully express it And yeah that's a, that's a cool way that you're putting it there um yeah it is i mean even even down to the title of the movie you know mm-hmm. it's the world before your feet Right. right. It's like even from the title it's kind of involving the, uh the audience in the
0: movie. Yeah, I've been I've been studying a lot of um like Asian philosophies and uh-huh. re- recently a lot of stuff about Zen uh-huh. and a very a couple things that like rang just blaringly loud while I was watching it is just this idea of like living in the now and how like that's just so so beyond rare. Because like everything we do is either for tomorrow or in reflection of the past or regretting right. the past or we're working towards something we're trying to get money to save up something you know things along those lines and like people never ever just live exactly like right now like like right what they're doing and the whole right. movie right. the whole movie just bled that like there was no you weren't on your way somewhere you weren't trying like and and you said it yourself when like you're like I don't look for certain things like you don't try to even like the walk across the the country that you weren't looking right. for like certain spots you're just ex- just exactly experiencing and i yeah. did, it, that's so rare and i and i've since as i've been learning about it very recently it's like i i don't ever see examples of that that's weird that i don't see examples of that and then that's exactly what you're doing is just
1: yeah i think living it's almost now. impossible to do that and like you know it's not like my whole life is like that but But the walking is. Um, And I think it's a combination of, you know, that the act of walking allows you to do that Mm -hmm. in a way that many other things don't. Um, And it's also um, it's also important that I'm not like you said, you know, I'm not on my way to anywhere. Um, So that as soon as you like get rid of that destination or goal, then like, where the fuck are you going? You know, it's just like you're just here and. Not because you're some enlightened person, but like, what else are you going to do other than look around? So it almost just forces you into that mindset. And like, you know, if you're sitting, if you're sitting in a chair somewhere with nothing to do, I don't know that it's so easy to, to live in the present and not fret about things. But because you're walking and like so much stuff is just passing you as you go, you know, your mind's just naturally drawn to these things. And like you almost, you know, I mean, I'm not I, I don't know anything about meditation. So, mm-hmm. not speaking from any kind of expertise, but you know, my vague understanding is that, um, you know, that it's about, about kind of generally it's about turning inward, you know, and like listening, listening to your breath and your heartbeat and, you know, kind of shutting out the outside world and like focusing on the simplest things and, and kind of turning your mind off in that way. And, you know, when I started to kind of hear that from people that, that that's the experience of meditation, I started to realize how walking is is kind of the exact same thing, but also the opposite, because it's you're just so focused on what's around you that you also escape your your own mind and your own self in that way, because you're just so sucked into what's around you, and it's because walking so immersive in a way that that no other travel is, because you're you're so completely in the place where you are. In a car, you're separated, physically separated from where you are. Mm -hmm. So, in a bicycle, you essentially are because of the speed that you're going. Right. You know, there's there's not a physical barrier, but there's there's a barrier between you and 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 noticing what's around you. And also, of course, you just have to pay a lot more attention to the road when you're biking for your own safety. Yeah. Um, So there is something unique about walking that it's such a low maintenance activity um, that it allows you the freedom to just totally get sucked out of yourself. And, and yet you're, you know, you are moving. So it's not like just sitting in a chair, moping mm-hmm. where, like where you can't escape yourself. It's just, you definitely have to have that kind of changing scenery and like this movement, which I've started to realize over the years, I think, I think part of, of the kind of fulfillment that comes out of walking is simply the movement, you know, not even where you are, what you're thinking of, like there's something inherent mm-hmm. in being a human and a an human mind about just moving through space something in that because that's
0: that's is, what we do that's like the reason that's what we do. Yeah, we're it's, here That's what
1: we need to do to survive <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and yeah so i think that um that if, if you're walking which is this perfect exercise for like living in a moment and then on top of that if you can take away anywhere that you're going and you have nothing to look forward to and nothing not to not to say you have nothing to worry about, but nothing in the immediate future to, to look forward to. Then your mind just kind of escapes the rest of your life while you're out there. And, you know, it comes back afterward, whatever it is you might be thinking about when you're just sitting in a chair. But, but what I find is that, like, I can't even really remember stuff for the rest of my life a lot of times when I'm walking. Mm-hmm. It just kind of is a separate world.
0: You are doing an amazing, like, hybrid of meditation. Because, like, everything you said about, like, breathing inward and stuff is entirely true. And another big piece of meditation, at least sitting meditation, is the idea of, like, getting as in tune with your consciousness and reality as possible. And, and what's really important about doing that is when, at least in, like, um, more Japanese meditations, you're, you're supposed to be meditating without any sort of purpose like you're not meditating right. in order to get through the day. You're not meditating, you know what I mean? Like all yes, you're yes. doing is meditating and that's exactly you're not what doing you're doing to make yourself better. Yeah, and that's what you're doing right. when you're walking is you're not you're not expecting anything. Yes. And yeah. so this that allows you like to be grateful for everything. And there's another type of meditation um it's called Nikon and it's where you sit for weeks in a temple and you just reflect on like everything that you've ever, you start with your mother and then you just go through every single person that you've ever known until you get to where you don't know them. And, uh-huh. and in this way, you just start to see all the little, all the different little paths that every single person has in your life and how every <coughs> single one of them somehow contributes to what you're doing. And the point of it is to be grateful for everything. And I think right. you, you're doing like a very... Like a very acute version of that, where you just seem to have gratitude for every single thing, whether it's nature or people or even old buildings. Like when you're not expecting anything, the gratitude is just overwhelming. Like it just pours all over you because you're not in a type of mood, you're not expecting anything, so it can't help but like just be like breathtaking every little corner. At least that's yeah. that's what I took from it.
1: I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, hearing you say that um, makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I definitely thought of that, you know, that same term of, like, not having expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's always a big thought for me. Um, and, you know, I guess that's what I'm getting at, you know, talking about, like, not having a goal or, you know, a destination. If you can just kind of remove this idea that, like, something fantastic has to happen to you in order for life to be good – you know, if you can like make peace with just life being, then everything, everything above that, every little thing you see is just like, you know, this a uh, complete bonus to you.
0: And that's why we're so always like, so
1: oh, wow! I can't believe I got this thing now. Yeah, you know, it's and, why like, no matter how small it is, it's still a thing that was like given to you, which is pretty awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. It's why there's such an excess of like disappointment and misery now is because. <laughs> Every day just has to be bright and, like, extra. Everything yeah. has to be excessively good. Yeah, it can't yeah. Just... I think, uh, yeah.
1: yeah, I think a lot of, like, social media contributes to that, too, you know? Oh, my gosh. This idea yes. that, like, people, people can only paint the best picture of their lives and in doing so are encouraging all their friends to do the same thing. And then they look at their friend's social media and they think, oh, that's what that person's life is really like, even though they know that their own life is not really like what they're posting about. And it just puts you in this, like, total spiral of, like, oh, everyone's better than
0: me. It's a trap. That's why, like, I only try to use it for, like, I try to use it to share music and, like, movies and things like that that I appreciate and generally just want to share, like, to use it for that basis. And then I share it for my podcast, This. Right. And, And, And cat videos. (laughs) <laughs> of course, of course. I
1: don't think there's anything wrong with cat videos, but everything else. <laughs> yeah, and there's
0: nothing there's nothing wrong with like memes and funny things either. And yeah, it's yeah. it's really hard to like at least someone who uses it every day, it's hard to like police myself and tell myself like what I need to be looking at and what I need to be like talking about on here should be worthwhile because like social media is a beautiful tool that is just yeah. taken for granted most of the time and yeah. That's why I try to use it, like, for this. And and I even think about, like, the podcast so often, like, what I'm doing. Like, what is this thing, you know? Because, like, we're complete strangers here just trying to have a conversation. And it's, like, w- without, like, social media and things of the like, like, it wouldn't be possible. So that's really, really important. Right. But there's right. also the danger that, like when you talk to someone knowing that you're going to share it with other people or knowing whatever the case is, like you're going to talk just a little bit differently than you would like if you just met on the street. Right. And so that's, that's interesting because there's still a load of sincerity there, but in that way we're still losing like just a little, a little bit, you know? Yeah. And I think about that a lot and, and it's just some people it's just way way too far gone that, the person they're sharing is just not at all It's not even them anymore. Yeah. No, it's it's literally like a a virtual like it like, like an avatar or something. Yeah, and right. it's not even a worry and it's not even like, oh wow, blank is really different in person rather than online. Right. Like it's just like, oh yeah, well that's their that's their profile. <laughs> right. right. That's their character. Yeah, it's interesting. Um so I wanna go back to I guess you'd say the beginning. When you left the the civil engineering job, was that, like, a gradual thing, or was it just, like, a spontaneous one-day... Um,
1: a little bit of both, mostly gradual.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I had
1: never, I would like, never really been excited about being a civil engineer. <laughs> um, But, you know, when you go to college, and, like, especially engineering school, you just kind of get pushed down the path of having to decide a, a major and everything so quickly. Yeah. That you really have no time to understand what it is you want to do with your life and um and so like you know by the time you have any sense of whether it's not or whether or not it's something you want you're already like a couple years into school and you start feeling like i'd be an idiot to like to to, to go back on this now you know i spent all this time doing mm-hmm. this and like i don't i don't know what particularly else i want to do right um so it makes it tough um and and so like I just you know I kept doing it because I didn't have any better ideas but at the same time I always knew deep down I didn't want to do it forever and I wasn't excited about it and uh, so even you know I was working for a while and I was just always kind of trying to come up with something else to do but at the same time when you got a decent job it's always easy to just keep going into work one day you know right. day after day and it's never that bad it's only when you think about it in the long term that you get really depressed about it and so um so,, uh, I was you know, I was always trying to come up with different different ideas of ways to not be an engineer anymore. And um, <laughs> one day, I had this thought about walking across America because mm-hmm. I'd been doing a lot of long walks in New York. Um, I'd like started this walking group where, like, you know usually like twelve random strangers would show up at some location that I would say was the starting location like we go walk 20 miles together in some some new part of the city i had been to okay. and uh so i really really realized how much i liked like walking all day and i started to think about what if i just put a bunch of those days together and like went <laughs> somewhere in a line uh so yeah so i mean the 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 sudden part of this all was that I was just sitting at my desk one day and I had this thought and I was just like, Oh, let me look and see, like, is this even something you can do? Can you walk across America? (laughs) And I found some guy's website and he had done it. He had done it twice, I think. And so from that moment on, I I think I knew in the back of my head, like, I'm definitely going to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't seem realistic or anything, but, um, Mm -hmm. but knowing that someone else had done it, I think I knew it was going to happen. And so Basically, this was my idea. I gave myself a year to find a new job or like at least a new career direction that I was interested in. Okay. And I decided if I if a year came and went and I hadn't done anything, you know, to find a new job or, or a new career that I would have to quit and do this walk across America. So, you know, there, this was a gradual part. You know, there was a safety in like having a year to figure it out. It mm-hmm. didn't feel urgent. Uh, but what I did do was I went and I told everybody I knew this plan (laughs) so that when the year came and went, I couldn't just pretend I hadn't said it. Right. Uh, so that was an important part to like make me accountable. And so over the course of the next year, I did absolutely nothing to find another job. Um, and so I actually quit and, um, then it still took me about a year to kind of work up the guts and just the planning and like to feel comfortable and everything. Um, and then I started my walk across the country in 2010. And, um, yeah, you know, at that point I was like, oh, this will be this thing I do for some number of months and then I'll probably have to like get a normal job again. Mm -hmm. Um, But over the process of doing that walk, you know, I just was, I think it really just comes down to like, I realized how happily I could live on so little money Okay. that I just realized I don't think I need a real job ever again (laughs) um, because I don't need the money that a real job brings, Right. you know? Unless like a family comes into the picture, you know, for myself, um, I just don't need it. So then it becomes basically impossible to go back to, you know, before there was always this illusion that I needed a real job because that's what people do. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, you know, that if you don't have one, you're going to be destitute or something. And um, so I think that shattered that illusion for me that like, that that to be a a human in, in America, you have to have a real job. Um, you know that there's no other lifestyle alternative out there for you and um, and so that was a big that was a big thing for me and so when I came back from that walk you know I had I couldn't I couldn't have brought myself in a million years to, <laughs> to apply for an engineering job that's crazy so how much it jobs changes. you know I worked this weird data collector job I I worked on a farm for a while and um, then about a year and a half after I came back um, after having molded over for a few months, I started this um this walk in New York. And that's what I've done for the last seven years in counting.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's it was it was weird watching it in the documentary because it made me have to analyze like this natural things that Americans have that just like you don't have a job? Like right. like the guy that stopped in the truck, he was like, Do you have a job? Like that's right, the first right. thing And it's like, Well, it it's entirely possible to not <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, you know, I certainly understand that question, right? I mean, right, yeah. That's how we, we think that's how everyone has to live a life. Um, someone just kind of summed this up to me well the other day. Someone was like, I can't remember exactly, but, you know, someone asked, like, um, you know, what, a, I mean, don't people think you're crazy for doing this? <laughs> and my friend was just like, you know, it, it depends on what what perspective you're looking at it from, right? From, like, the vast majority of human history... The crazy thing would be like sitting in a room under fluorescent lights all day, not moving. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like being out walking around. That's the crazy
0: like, thing. Walk, yeah, the, the, like being outside walking around of your own accord,
1: like doing what you your body is telling you to do. I think that's that's basically what humans have done for the vast majority of human history.
0: That's a very good way of putting it. <laughs> right, you is. are doing like the the bare. What Like, you were walking around, taking in nature, and communicating, (laughs) and nothing happens without communication, and, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's like, it's it's weird to be doing at this moment in human history, but over the entire course of human history, it's way more normal than, like, anything else
0: Mm -hmm.
1: that people, you know, that Americans do today, anyway.
0: So, do you ever get worried about... Like, like, do you, are you just calm most of the time, would you say? I have developed, like,
1: I was not always like this, you know, I, I definitely worried a lot about stuff about the future,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and yeah, it was really, again, it was that, that cross country walk that helped me with that a lot because I was just like, you know, I spent, I don't know, $1,500, um, and that was including like getting some, some equipment and gear and stuff, mm-hmm. um, to be able to do that walk. You know that's such a small yeah. amount of money to spend for five months of life,
0: and such a small amount of life. Yeah, just five months. Out yeah. Of what?
1: And it would, but like you know, you could just work out the the multiplication there and just be like, I I could do a lot of things to raise enough <laughs> money to live that life. Yeah. It does does not require sitting at a desk, and um, so that that just made me stop worrying a lot because I no longer have this sense that um that you like just have to save and save and save your whole life now that being said like you know i have savings from my engineering job and that's what's allowing me to do what i'm doing now Mm -hmm. you know i'm i'm drawing them down slowly but you know i couldn't do it if i didn't have them to begin with
0: which Um, is an interesting point
1: yeah and so this is not you know what i'm doing right now is not a sustainable thing in and of itself like i'd have to I have to find a way to make a little more income than I am now to do something basically like this
0: okay. uh, for the
1: rest of my life. But, you know, so to me, it feels kind of like a, a transition state where I'm like learning, learning how it could all work in the future. Um, but I am still dependent on having worked that job for a while. Yeah. Um, and it's also, though, you know, I think the the ultimate fear for a lot of people is like what happens when you get old and it costs so much money to be old And like, you don't want to be miserable when you're old. And I, you know, I mean, I've kind of had to think about that in very realistic terms and just be like, you know, I very well might not have enough money when I'm old to live out my old age comfortably in the way that we currently think of comfortable old age. Mm -hmm. And I think if you can can accept that possibility, it helps you not be so fearful of it. And, you know, I think that a lot of things that cost a lot in old age, like nursing home care and stuff like that, um, are not necessarily things that make people happy, even though it gives you comfort (laughs) to think that you'll be able to have that. Uh, I'm not sure that those are ultimately good things.
2: No. So,
1: so that's a big part of it. Like, I think you do have to confront those issues because like I can live in a tent for free in the woods now if I need to, but I probably can't do that when I'm 70 years old (laughs) or 80, you know? so there will come a time when things are different and um i do think it's important to, to be realistic about that when you're when you're kind of working through it all in your head
0: that's wild and i say that because everyone that i usually interview or or just talk to is usually like in their thing like they're doing their thing you know mm-hmm. like they got it they're set like that's what they do and i'm asking mm-hmm. them about what they do and i'm taking just a screenshot like i can i can call you like a couple of years from now and it's going to be completely different than the conversation we have right now. All right. All and right. I think that's so cool. And also, I'm so young. I'm in college right now. I'm, I'm a sophomore mm. in college. So, I'm only 19 and, like, I'm going to change dramatically. Yeah. And the things yeah, that God. I do... I
1: mean, I remember I was so worried about everything when I was 19.
0: God, yeah. it's like a whole other life ago. <laughs> I know. And it's wow. like, it's so weird to be talking to these people like you when you're at such a completely different time because the things that we could say later are going to be so different. And like, I don't know, it just kind of ties in the whole thing of like being so appreciative of like right now, like the, the things that we're saying now and the insight that we're gaining right now is just really important. Like, absolutely. Where do you, what do you see? Like, like do you try not to see down the road I don't
1: try not to see down it. It just, like, doesn't appear to me.
0: That's really you special.
1: Know? Um, Yeah, it just doesn't... um You know, when someone says, what are you going to do next? And I say, I don't know. It's not me, like, trying not to think about what's next. Right, I right. Genuinely don't have a clue.
0: You've kind of just, like, engineered yourself. Okay, sorry about that. Didn't mean to use <laughs> the engineer. <laughs> Bring back bad memories. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to use that word. But you have, you've, like, you've... What's the word I'm thinking of? You've conditioned yourself to, like, not have to think like that. and
1: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it wasn't intentional or anything, but, it, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely... I mean, it's definitely through, through all these experiences, I think, that I've been able to come
0: to that point. And I just wonder, someone who's so in tune with all people, like, and there's the things about your relationships in the documentary that are mm-hmm. brushed over a little bit, like, how does, like, love and... A significant other or a family like how do those things like do you long for those things do those does that play through your mind at all or would you be okay as a lot of people are with just a life mm-hmm. of just being
1: yeah I, I would be okay with that and you know for most of my life i was really scared of that concept
2: Mm-hmm.
1: or that you know possible like future um but yeah it just doesn't scare me now you know i don't know why yeah, maybe maybe it will scare me again later. I don't know, but
2: but right.
1: Um, right now it doesn't, and I can't. You know, I can only know what I'm feeling right now. Um, but it's you know, for a while now. For a while now, uh, I've I've lost that fear of like, what if I don't have a person to mm-hmm. be with for the rest of
0: my life? Is that something that you want? Not necessarily, are afraid of, but is that something that you would? I don't know. I think,
1: I think it comes back to what you were talking about before about, um, you know, not having expectations. Yeah,
0: I'm kind of just undoing all my questions here.
1: (laughs) Because I think if you, um, you know, I think if you can just be okay with life being, like, this baseline thing where you just exist in the world, then anything else can be good, but it's not necessary.
0: Yeah, then it's all great. So,
1: So, like, you know, it's not to say that, like, I could only be happy... You know, not yeah. being with with a person, For but sure. um, but I don't feel like it's necessary. So like, whatever whatever happens in that area just happens, and I think it'll be okay either way.
0: Yeah. How does that? How does this perspective work when you're in a relationship? Like when you were in relationships, how did you act? Like did you just take it like this, just like day by day? Because like when you're when you're with someone, you're basically committing that like you're technically like you're both committing to work towards something, you know, like you're doing something together mm-hmm. in whatever way. I,
1: mean, I guess I hadn't felt this way through any relationship I had, except for the very last one mm-hmm. where, you know, I guess that's probably what caused it to fall apart. Um, was, was that I, I no longer needed to be in a relationship. Like, I don't think you can have a relationship where, one person is someone who needs a relationship and the other person doesn't. Yeah. So I don't think that can work. Um, and so, yeah. So, I mean, I haven't had a relationship since then. Hmm. But, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I don't think – unless unless you have – I guess you could have two people who had that same attitude and that yeah. could work together. Um, if you – I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You'd have to <laughs> have to test that out. But no. <laughs> But I admit, maybe that could work. I'm not sure.
0: That's... Yeah. You got me thinking.
1: <laughs> but, you know, I've also realized that um, I don't think that I could be okay with the idea of... I don't like saying being alone, because
0: it's not like you're alone just because you don't have, like, a partner. Yeah. But just to use the colloquial
1: term here, um, you know, I don't think I would, would be okay with the idea of being alone if I if I hadn't had these relationships in the past. Okay. You know, I think there's something about, like, like you have to know... I don't know, maybe you have to know what that is like in order to know that you are okay without it. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I don't... I think that I would be really scared um, if I hadn't ever had a relationship and I was still at the same point in my life. Yeah, I don't think I would have that kind of peace with the possibility that I do know.
0: It's... I'm just, like, your mind is remarkable to me because... I'm at a place where just everything is just running, 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 running through my head constantly. Like every. Totally. I mean, I was there, man. That was me at nineteen. And I just can't picture a place where, like, I fully convince myself to stop asking or stop worrying. And of course, like, I don't, I don't feel like you're like a, like you're not God. You know, <laughs> like, <I'm>, like, <laughs> right. and that's what's in, And that's what's interesting is that like there are things in humans that are natural like, whether it's biological or not, like, there's a longing, like, like, you talk to people, even if it's not romantic or sexual right. in any way at all, like, you, you, we need to, to, to we need speak, for sure. we need to talk to people to, to connect, right. and it's so interesting to get to a place where something so, like, it's such a gray area, and it's so confusing, can just have a place of, like, static, because yeah. that's constantly what I'm trying to do, is, like, because it's so easy to just undo everything, like all sort of constructs. It's so easy to convince myself that I can do exactly what you did and just leave what I'm doing at this very moment, at the drop of a pin. I can never speak to anyone again, you know. Like there's so many yeah. different things, and then, and then even like, more like deeper things. Like you can you can undo like morals. You can undo value, and you can undo virtue, and all these things about like like the things that we're talking about that just are accepted as just like that's that's yeah. what it is this is what it means to be a good person this is what yeah, it means yeah. to live a fulfilled life like all of those things with your individual power can just fall by the wayside
2: yeah, and that's I so
0: mean, scary I, yeah yeah go ahead it's it's just scary to live like it's it's scary to have that knowledge that you can undo everything that you think all of the time and then still yeah. be like okay but I'm committed to living here like at least for my sake i'm in college i'm pursuing you know a life and a career that's going to be a job quote like like that's what i'm doing right but i'm still very 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 aware of how fragile all of this is and how quickly i can just undo the reality that like i've just burrowed myself into i don't know yeah. what you want to do with that but
1: yeah i mean i don't know uh you know I'm I don't think I could have reached the point of being okay with not having a job if I hadn't worked a job for a while. I couldn't have reached the point of being okay with not having a relationship if I hadn't been in relationships for a while. Um, so I don't think there's, you know, whatever those ultimate desires are mm-hmm. to like, or not desires, not a good word because in, in a way, you know, you want to like free yourself of those desires. Yeah, you know, to, to be okay with with just being and. I don't think you can. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, right. I'm not, I'm not trying to sound like I think I'm some Zen master or something, <laughs> but like, but I just just through my own sheer like blundering luck of chance, um, I've just ended up in some good places, at least at the moment, um, without ever intending to. And someone was just saying this phrase to me the other day. Not even exactly in, re- not in relation to this stuff, but like. You know, it seems like the only way you ever can get what you want in your life is when you don't care about it. Hmm. You know, I mean, that's, of course, not true in specific ways, like a lot of things you have to work really hard to get that thing. But like, in a more general sense, it's almost like, you know, something about like focusing on something, maybe because because our minds are so bad at actually understanding how to get to different places. So like in some in those broader senses, maybe the harder you're trying, the more you're defeating yourself. Yeah, yeah. and so it's just like, I guess you just try to. I mean, I guess in a way, this this whole walk and, and the U.S. walk too for me have been they have been an, an experiment, and I kind of saw this from the beginning that it's an experiment of like I can't tell you why I'm doing it. I can't give you, I can't give you a nice story about why I'm doing it that sounds that catches your ear, that sounds good, that like you know makes you want to tell somebody else the story. Um, so for me, it's always been an exercise of like. What if I just do this thing that I want to do for the reason I don't know? What if I just do it and try my best to just be pure about it? Mm-hmm. Just as a test of like what happens when you do that? Because you don't usually have a chance to do that in the world. Um, and so I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something about like there's something deeper inside you that if you can follow that, um, you can get to some good places that you can't get to when you're consciously trying to.
0: I absolutely understand. Like when you're focused on doing your work so much, that's not when the best work comes out. It comes out when you're yeah when you're just doing the work. Just yeah. doing. Rather than doing for the sake of whatever. Have you ever
1: read uh Zan and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance? I have
0: not. That's a great book. Um it was really
1: influential to me. I read it once a number of years ago. So I honestly don't have like that great of a recall of all of it. But mm-hmm. um, I remember this, this term that he had lateral drift, okay, which was this idea that, you know, say someone who's like watching your life, you know, like in his instance, I think he was, you know, he's going through school, I think he studied philosophy and you know, externally people see you as like working toward this degree that has some purpose, like maybe you're gonna you're gonna get an academic job or whatever it is. Yeah. And then there are long periods in your life where you don't do anything that follows that trajectory. And this is when the people around you say, you know, when you're not there, they're like, Oh man, he's lost now, you know, he doesn't know what he's mm-hmm. doing. And that's what he called lateral drift, which is you're like kind of severing yourself from one path in life and just drifting to find a new path. And you're not moving forward or backward, but yet you're doing this essential motion. It just doesn't go in the direct in the dimension of like progress. And yeah. that was a good reminder to me that like you know, we're good what we're good at as humans is like following the path of progress. Mm-hmm. We have like set ways you can progress along a certain path. But we don't know how to deal with the like drifting between paths, even though it's probably been an essential part of like, you know, every great creation and every great emotion and, you know, all these things that people have experienced through the course of human history. I think probably most of them are, are not a result of the focus on progress Yeah. and just being able to, you know, it's hard because when you're in that place, of lateral drift, people think that you're lost and you have to get to a point where that doesn't bother you anymore. Right. And it's hard because like you said, you know, we're, we are social creatures and it's hard to it's hard to not care what people think about you. Yeah. And only only people who are perfect at not thinking what other people think about you are probably sociopaths. So <laughs> right. I don't know that you ever want to be like hundred percent there, but but like when you can get to the point of like just being okay with people thinking that you're lost. Then I think you got something going there.
0: Yeah, because then it's their loss. It's what yeah. they think loss is. And right, right, and it just is irrelevant though. You know. Yeah. What I think is like we're We're so obsessed with trying to name everything and like find like a something like a name to attach to everything we're doing like and we're, and we have to have like a thing like if you're living you can't just live you have to be living to do a job you have to be right you know right. and and there's this really interesting concept that like the building blocks of all life and like the the reason why anything does anything down to its bare minimum is meaning like mm. Every single thing that you do is out of meaning. Whether it's you walking, you're walking because your brain is telling you, if I move this leg forward, this next leg is going to follow, and I'm going to right. move forward. You know, like it's not even yeah. meaning like I'm going to go meet these people. I'm going to take these pictures. It's not like that. It's just right. the complete purity of like meaning. And I think, <laughs> I think that the the inventions that happen and, and the most beautiful creations are really concentrated pockets of that naming system of just like doing something and making that meaning have meaning. I don't know if you're following. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. and then there's still now like a lack of being okay with like pure meaning. Like there's always, there always has to be meaning to that meaning. I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. It does. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, that. When I was doing my cross country walk, it was different than a lot of other cross country walks because um, I'd say the majority
2: of people who do something like that are doing it for a cause. Right. Um,
1: You know, whether it's to raise awareness or raise money. But, you know, it's not that, although I didn't realize it at the time, now that I've heard from so many people who've done a similar thing, like it's not that weird of a thing to walk across America. Right. Um, But it is a lot more unusual to do it without using it as a means to accomplishing something else that's seen as worthwhile Yeah. Um, so and then you know my feeling on that is that of course those are it's always great to raise money for causes you care about I mean of course that's a, a very noble thing to do Yeah. but it's impossible to do that without denigrating the act of walking or the act of exploration and you know you're you're basically saying when you do something like that you're saying that you know I wouldn't be doing this silly walk just to do it. Like that wouldn't be worthwhile. Mm -hmm. But here's, I can use it as a tool to accomplish something worthwhile. So for me, it was always important that it not be attached to any cause just because in a way my cause was that it's okay to just do it and that it's worthwhile to just do it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I know that, you know, there's this explicit, kind of meaning that we as a society accept Mm -hmm. and that we have common language for right right and we can all agree that what this person is doing is meaningful but there's so many more types of it that only exist on a personal level or even a subconscious level that you don't even know about yourself but you can kind of feel it
0: yeah you put that really well (laughs) what i was trying to say do you ever fear of like like, do you ever think that what you're doing has, like, selfishness wrapped up in it? And not selfishness in the way of, like, like, I think selfish is one of those words that the connotation is kind of lost. Yeah, I,
1: I agree. Because I've, I've said that same word in relation to what I'm doing.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily... It I mean,
1: it's very much about me. Yeah. It's about my experience. Um Yeah, maybe self-centered is the right word. Yeah. That obviously also has a negative connotation. Yeah, there's a
0: lot um, of negativity to it when it's okay to to make yourself good. But do you ever... Right, I mean, uh, you know, it's one way of thinking about it, which is not to
1: say that, like, I particularly think I'm doing anything noble. But, you know, a way to look at the world is that if everyone just took care of themselves, then all the problems in the world would be solved.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, that's not to say, you know, there are many people who aren't capable of that. and it's not to put that burden on every single person. Right. But... But it's just a reminder that like there is something important about like making sure you're good.
2: And, yeah, it's uh, very in fact,
1: I kind of learned this explicitly from this woman, Peace Pilgrim. Are you familiar with her?
0: I'm not. Um, so this, I didn't even know about her when I started my cross country walk, and
1: then people started to tell me about her, and she's since become you know my single greatest um, inspiration for everything I've done. What's her name? Peace Pilgrim. So she, okay. she, she grew up, you know, I think she lived, I don't know, I guess, I guess she lived in California. Um, she, I think had like a pretty normal life and I think even got divorced or something and then like kind of decided to just totally reshape her life. And she was 45 years old at the time. So a pretty dramatic, you know, late stage in your life to just kind of throw away everything <laughs> you've done. And she gave up all of her possessions and all of her money and she literally had nothing She had no possessions other than just what was in her pockets. So, you know, she had normal clothes on, a jacket and like toothbrush, comb and like pen and paper. Like that was basically all that she had in the world. So she was more or less as destitute as a human in America could be. (laughs) And so um, she had this idea that she was going to walk across America. And she was just going to walk, and she had nothing, and she would just walk until people offered her something to eat or drink or a place to stay. And if they didn't offer, she would just sleep beside the road, and she would just fast until someone gave her something. And she would take every opportunity she could to talk to people about how to achieve peace. And her firm belief is that the way to achieve peace in the world is for individuals to find inner peace. Because if you are at peace with yourself – you know, you're not going to have conflicts with others because generally those conflicts are driven by your own inner conflict. Always, yeah. Um, not, I mean, I suppose you could be completely an inner peace and someone could bomb your house. And, and well, yeah, conflict. yeah. But like for the vast majority of conflict, you know. Um, so, um, so this was her idea. She actually, the year I think this is right, the year before she started that walk she, she became the first woman to through hike the Appalachian trail, which she did as training, mm-hmm. she and a friend did it. And all she took with her was like basically like a shower curtain or some tarp or something and like a bag of oats and she would just wrap herself in the tarp to sleep if it was raining or maybe always she did that for warmth. And, uh, and she would just like soak the oats in water and she would eat berries and stuff. And so she threw hiked hike the Appalachian trail doing this. And then she starts her cross country walk in 1953. So she's a 45-year-old woman in 1953, and she starts – the first day of her walk is walking in the Rose Bowl parade in Pasadena, and then she heads out from the end of the parade and heads east. And she makes it all the way across the country, just completely dependent on the kindness of strangers. And then she turns around and she does it again and again for the rest of her life. So the last 28 years of her life, she spent walking completely penniless, yet by all accounts like the happiest and most fulfilled woman – anybody had ever met and she yeah she this for 28 years so she was 73 years old when she died in a car accident being driven to do like a radio interview wow Um, and she would like go on these radio shows and the djs were like oh we got this crazy hippie lady we'll just make fun of her and all the viewers all the listeners will have a good laugh and she'd come on and of course she was so incredibly genuine and earnest and just so rock solid in the belief in the importance of what she was doing that there's no way to make fun of her. So, you know, any question that might have been asked mockingly, she could just answer it honestly. And basically she just, you know, won everybody over because it's impossible to make fun of someone who is not unsure about what they're doing. Yeah. You know, it's really when we see that insecurity in people, often if they're doing things we actually admire, um, you know, that's when it's really easy to make fun of someone. Um, but, but when they're just rock solid and their belief in it, you know, there's no room for mockery. And anyway, so, I mean, all aspects of her life, from um, the, like the total giving up of material possessions, which I've, you know, nowhere come close to that whatsoever. Um, the total reliance on strangers, which again is like a great goal, something I've like dabbled in a tiny bit and, and this idea of just not being embarrassed when someone's like, so you don't have a job, like, what, I mean, so you just depend on other people, like, is in that, you know, like, we have this idea in America that you have to be, you have to be perfectly independent, mm-hmm. like, that that's what a good American is, which is obviously a false concept, because no one, no one does everything for themselves, no one right. grows their own food, I mean, most people don't do all of the above, including grow your own food, right. build your own house, like, <laughs> love yourself you know <laughs> like we all have people who do these things for us and we can kind of hide it behind this wall of money but, like because i'm paying this person that still makes me totally independent yeah yeah but we have these incredible webs of interdependence which are so important in society you have to feel like little bits of obligation to people Because otherwise, you can just kind of sit in your house and someone needs help and you're like, fuck them. Like, they they never did anything for me. I don't need to help them. But it's always in those moments of helping other people or needing help that we make the greatest
0: ties with other people. That's exactly what I was saying earlier about gratitude towards everyone. Yeah. Whether you see it or not. Like, we we owe debt to each other. Totally.
1: And it's, yeah, it's just so easy to lose sight of that. Um, So anyway, somewhere (laughs) in that answer was tied into something you said earlier.
0: (laughs) That was, no, that, I, I'm so glad you told me about her. That's incredible. Oh, it was the inner peace thing to like, yeah, that, that focus on yourself. Yeah. It, that it is
1: selfish or self-centered or some word like that, but not in a
0: necessarily bad way. Yeah. And then you become, once, once you're good with you, then you can be good for everyone endlessly.
1: Right. And it's not to say that you can't do both things at the same time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You can focus on yourself and if part of who you want to be is someone who helps other people, then the act of focusing on yourself is inherently an act of self selflessness. Yeah. So it's, a, it's a funny combination of, of selfishness and selflessness.
0: And everything we do is in the aim of being for ourselves, even if it's helping others. Right. Like we're helping others because we want to be able to tell ourselves that we help someone else right. regardless. I think, t- I think you're right. If we're totally honest, it's like
1: we, we do good things for people because it makes us feel good.
0: Yeah. and there's there's, nothing wrong with that a lot
1: of people don't like to say that because it sounds selfish but if that's true then it's good yeah it's it's good because you're a good person if it makes you feel good to help other people even if you're only doing it because it makes you feel good
0: yeah there's just been connotations warbled and it's like oh you're selfish yes like that's
1: the problem with language you know yeah words just take on specific meanings and we lose so much of reality and like the limited amount we can convey through words
0: yeah like awesome i love that word That is such a an amazing word. Like, if you think about that, it means something is awesome. Like, right. you are in awe, and now it's just like, right. dude, that's awesome. Like, it, it doesn't right. have that. Right,
1: that's awesome. Like, oh man, I just I just had the best best cheese sandwich. Right, oh, it was awesome. awesome.
0: <laughs> when it's like, no, I I, I saw, you know, Yellowstone <laughs> National Park, and it was right. I I was in awe. Like, right, right. Well, thank that's you true. so much, Matt. Yeah, man. So you're you're doing something really special.
1: So are you, because this was uh, an incredible interview. I think that like I couldn't have um, had such an excellent conversation when I was 19. And um, well, thank you. I think it's really phenomenal, and I think you're a very uh, reflective person.
0: I appreciate and, that. Um,
1: yeah, I wish I was there when I was 19. <laughs> so that's awesome, and like, keep up the good
0: work, man. Thank you. I'm I'm just I'm trying to. I mean, I mean, the root of this is just for me to learn from others, you know. Totally. And then share that if I can. Totally. So I, I appreciate you saying that, and I will keep trying my best, and I'm sure you will too.
1: Yeah, that's all we can do, man.
0: Keep in contact, because I'm very excited to see where it goes, and I totally. hope. Totally. Where, where, where are you in school? I'm in Michigan, at the bottom of the state, at Eastern Michigan University. Where's that? It's uh right by Detroit? Oh yeah. I, what what uh like what town is it in? It's uh Ypsilanti, specifically.
1: Oh, nice. Next to you Ann Arbor. Know, one of the great inspirations for like my life of wandering is like the crazy place names you see on mm-hmm. maps. Yeah. And Ypsilanti obviously is that's one a good of name it's like mythical. It's a good name. Yeah. Um that's cool. I have a really good friend from Mike Oh, Point, so oh, yeah. I spent a reasonable amount of time in the Detroit area. Cool. But I've never, to my knowledge. Wait, is it Ipsilani or Yipsilani?
0: Ipsilani. Ips, as if it was an I. Yeah, called Ipsy. Okay, good to know. For short. Ipsy. Oh, if you thing, ever man. want to sound like you know what's up. Ipsy. Yeah,
1: Ipsy. Okay, I probably will want to sound like that. so...
0: Let it <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Matt. I I yeah, hope man, we get just... to meet someday somehow or cross totally. paths in a way. Yeah, let me know if you ever make it out, out to New York. And <laughs> I've I'll been do the there twice, life. so. Oh, nice so maybe i'll be back
1: yeah let me know if you ever come out again and i'll let you know if i ever go <laughs> uh visit my buddy i mean he doesn't live in detroit anymore but his family does so if we ever if we ever take a trip out there i'll let you know
0: cool I, right, I wish you the best in everything matt thank you so thank much you. for talking to me All right.